as I told you today, we're going to talk about conflict, and this is a summer training uh, mindset that I take for generations every summer whenever I preach. You know, and I'm a big baseball fan. Unfortunately, my team is absolutely horrible this year. Uh, the San Diego Padres. I mean, we can't even beat the Cubs. The Cubs sweeped us. I mean, that's how bad it is. Um, although the people that root for the Cubs, I'm like, doesn't Chicago only have one team, and that's an American League? Oh, see. Uh, I've been up there too often. I can smack talk to the best of them when it comes to baseball. But my team's horrible. But anyways, in baseball, they have this thing called spring training. And they get together and they work on the fundamentals and they, they warm things up. And summer for me is, is our spring training as a community. It's a chance for us to just come together and work on things. These are not things that necessarily we are doing bad or things that are horrible. It's just things that Max and I have been talking about. And it's like, man, if, if we dialed this dial up a little more, how much better would we be as a community and so in this know that that i'm going to talk about conflict and if you and i have had any conflict recently you're not the person i'm talking about if we have unresolved conflict you're not the person i'm talking about if you're in my small group when i give a small group example you're not the small group i'm talking about okay now that we got all that out of the way, you know that I'm not talking about you. And, and I, I have to give examples of conflict. Uh, most of these are fictitious. If it strikes a chord, um, it's just God speaking to your heart then, I guess. Um, but when Max and I were going over my sermon, he's like, you have to give a lot of examples. I said, well, I've been in ministry since 97 in central Kentucky alone. I have a ton of examples. He goes, I know. Um, let's talk about those examples first. And I said, well, don't worry, Max, I'll be of you instead since you're not here. And he goes, that's fine. Um, I go, but do I have to pay you like you pay your kids when you talk about them? He goes, no, you preaching and letting me go away is uh, enough payment. So uh, know that it's not you that I'm speaking of. But one thing that I had to learn, and if you're going to seminary like our buddy here, Ryan, they won't teach you this in seminary. Uh, In fact, when I got out, I realized they didn't teach me anything about conflict in seminary at all. I took 90 plus hours of graduate level work, read 1,500 pages, well, supposedly, read, I was honest on all of my reading reports because I'm not one of those pastors who can come back and say, Dr. Walls, can you please put my grade down one level because I didn't read everything even even though I told you I did. But uh, 1,500 pages per class is what's prescribed and nothing on conflict. And you get into the pastor and you start pastoring And they don't tell you that as a pastor, you are the CCRO, Chief Conflict Resolution Officer. People expect you to be the first one to walk in and resolve the conflict, even if you don't have the conflict. See, there's two types in a church. There's the types where I say something or do something. It's interpreted right or wrong. And there's conflict. Like, I wore jeans and preached. Someone may say that is unholy. I'm bringing forth the word of God. This is a holy time, and how dare you wear jeans and not dress up. And they may then send me an email. Pastor Isaiah, I can't believe you wore jeans and preached. I thought this was a a church that followed God in his ways. Why would you not bring your best? Wear your Sunday best. We're leaving generations because of it. And we hope that God uses generations to reach the masses. That's how all those emails always end. It's the day we live. So there's that type. And then the other type of conflict that as pastors we have to resolve are the types where you all do something. Example, the Joneses bring their daughter to G-Town. They're going to the lake right afterwards. 
So their daughter's in a two-piece swimsuit. She's 10 years old. One of the G-Town ladies go, really? Two-piece bathing suit for church? Did you not have anything else to wear? Mrs. Jones is sitting there thinking, well, we're going to the lake right afterwards. You know, she's 10. It's not that big of a deal. And they pack their kids up and leave early. And then at the end of the service, what happens is, is I, someone goes, hey, Isaiah, I just want to let you know. I was standing there checking in my kid in G-Town, and one of your leaders said something to the Jones family about the way their daughter was inappropriately dressed. And uh, they grabbed their kids and left. Just thought you'd want to know. Okay, thanks. We'll deal with that right away. Um, so those are two types in church conflict that we have. But if you have ever had a job, have you ever had conflict in your job? <laughs> no. We'll talk about lying next week. <laughs> but in a job, and the reason we have conflict is because we are all individuals. We all have our own mind. We all have our own path. We have our own agenda. And we're moving that mind and path and agenda down a certain way. And when they put you with someone else, there's going to be conflict. I've been on teams before where we are working on something and I'm proposing this, proposing that, because that's my, my go-to. I'm just an idea person. This, this, and they're shooting everything. There's someone in the room shooting everything down. Well, that's stupid. That sucks. That's horrible. Can't believe you'd ever think of that. That's going to cost us money. It's like, dude, it's just idea time. Easy on the brakes. But what it is, there's an underlying conflict there going on. And so when we talk about conflict, I want you to know that it's normal. It's normal to have, have conflict. It's not a big deal. If we deal with it properly, because we're all humans and we all have our own agenda and we all are working towards hopefully one goal, and that is to be better Christians. But we all have different paths to get there. And so we're going to talk about conflict. Now, know that there's also two types of people when it comes to conflict. There's the type over here. And Max said I could say that this is him. He's a mercy. So when there's conflict, Max will just give you whatever you want just to end the conflict. Okay, I'm sorry I'm wearing jeans. Um, I'll, I'll wear slacks over the next three weeks if that will help everything. I mean, he's just mercy, 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 mercy. Just and then on the other side over here, and we have people in our church like this, and I picked this side on purpose, <laughs> who conflict's no problem for them. The resolution is knife or gun, your choice. <laughs> There's no mercy. The mercy is that I use one bullet and not three. That's the mercy in me. And those are the type of two that usually handle conflict. But no matter which side you're on, there's one thing about conflict, and that is no one likes to deal with it. If you do like to deal with conflict, we have a counselor our church uses that would love to talk to you. Because I don't think it's natural. I think we just don't like conflict. When I have to deal with it, I don't know about you, but I get this knot in the pit of my stomach right here that says, oh, my goodness. I have to go confront this person. I've got to talk to him. And it gets tight. And I can't eat. And all I, I, it's hard to sleep because I, I'm a ruminator. So I just want to think about the conversation. I want to plan it out. I want to know, okay, if I say this and then they say this, then I can say this. But if I say this and they say this, well, then I better say this. I mean, it, it's, it is borderline probably psychotic, but that's okay. It's who I am, and I'm willing to deal with that. But it's a knot right here. And going to them in their house or you know, when I get that email, it just starts right here. And I have to do something with it, because even if I ignore this, that knot still stays there. It may relax over time to where I forget it's there, but lo and behold, I see the person at Kroger, knot right back up. Oh, there they are. Going to a party. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm going over the Ballers, having a big party. Oh, you invited that person? 
there goes my fun, you know? And so no one really likes to deal with it. So I wanted today to look at how to deal with conflict. How can we move this forward? And if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is, is the verse that when I was pitching this idea to some of my seminary friends, they went to. And it's, it's the verse about how to deal with sin in church. And people go, well, sin and conflict, I said those aren't the same things. Are you doing your own little interpretation of the Bible? Trust me. How many of you have ever confronted someone because of their sin? Instant conflict. I don't care who they are. Instant conflict. There's instant conflict if you've ever had to call someone out because of something that they're doing is wrong. And there's instant conflict. And so this verse really works with how you can deal with conflict. So let me read here, and you guys can read up there. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you, go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If that person still refuses to listen, take the case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I wanted to read this real quick in the message. I love the way the message puts this. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell them. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer, again, God's forgiving love. We live in a digital age. You know, I'm even reading my Bible off an iPad. I was camping with my father-in-law. He goes, hey, do you have your Bible? And I go, well, yeah, I pull out my iPad. He goes, no, no, you know, like, physical Bible? It's like, well, it's all right here. I mean, we live in a digital age. And how we deal with conflict a lot of ways in America is digitally. And what I mean by that is we take it to the sphere. If we're on Twitter, we take it to the Twitter sphere, right? It's, can't believe my pastor would wear pants and bring forth the word of God. Hashtag, all pastors wearing pants send their congregation to hell. Hashtag, you know, wear holy clothes. Hashtag, finding a new church. I mean, that's Twitter. Or we take it to Facebook. And how Facebook works is, went to church today, pastor was wearing pants. Can't believe he was wearing pants and bringing forth the word of God. Here's a poll I found on Google that says, 9 out of 10 pastors that wear pants and bring forth the word of God are sending their congregation to hell. Like if you agree with me. Or we take it to the blogosphere. Dear blog, today I went to church and my pastor was wearing pants. Can you believe that? He's bringing forth the word of God and he was wearing pants. And people who bring forth the word of God should not wear pants. Jeans. Pants. Hey, I got an amen in the back. What's the saying? Preach it, wild hog, or what we say around here? Pants, jeans, sorry, California. Everyone's thankful I wear pants, I guess. So am I. Especially in Ireland. Well, see, good. I'm glad we all had a laugh. All right, jeans. I'm, it's, I, sorry, I'm going to have to keep saying pants. Anyways, but you, you get the idea. I'm thankful my pastor wears pants, but just needs to wear woolen pants or, you know, slacks. And, you know, 
not genes. Uh, take it to the block or like the first example, you shoot off an email because you're mad and you don't like it and you send it off. But we read here in this verse, the very first thing is, and Zach, it's still up there. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. The key word there is go. And I think we've lost that as a culture because none of us like conflict. None of us like going to them. So it's easier to send a text. It's easier to send an email because I can then just put it over here. The ball is in their court and I'm done. And I don't have that knot in my stomach. But the Bible says you need to go to them. And I can tell you from, from years of experience, going to them changes everything. It changes everything. I've had times at work where there's been a, a disagreement and there's been some conflict. And either the other person or myself has sat down and said, listen, there's just something going on here between us right now. I don't know what it is, but we just, you know, that last staff meeting, you just dogged me left and right in front of the boss. Is there something going on? Well, yeah, there's something going on. Last week, when I had to do X, you were doing Y. Well, I was doing Y because the boss asked me, and you couldn't do X unless I did Y. Oh. So, you know, I, I don't mind helping you out. He, you know, and you move forward. And it's amazing how just that time of standing together and working through the conflict, the Bible says, if they listen, and if the other person listens, confess it, you've won that person back. I know in my work, I've won that person back. There have been times where that person, next staff meeting, guess what? They're on my side. I'm on their side. We are a team. And my boss's head is spinning because all of a sudden these ideas are flying. And it's like, yes, and that. And we could go here. We could do that. And it's like, wait a minute. Last staff meeting, this was horrible. You guys couldn't agree. It was just sounding like everything was going downhill. And all of a sudden, well, that's because we worked it out. We've gained a brother or a sister. The same happens in church. There's been times where things have been said. That, you know, you go to them. I'm sorry that it was, I said that your daughter shouldn't be wearing a two-piece bathing suit to G-Town. It just, you know, it's my own personal thing that girls shouldn't wear two-piece, you know, whatever. And, and then you hear, oh, we were going to the beach and there's no place to change. And so they just wore it. And I, try, I fought her all the way in here to wear, you know, this. And, and I was just done. And as a parent, you're like, oh, I so get that. I understand now. All of a sudden, you have a brother and sister. All of a sudden, you're able to move forward. But Jesus knows when he's talking, that's not how it always works. There's times you go in and you say, listen, I'm sorry. And they go, yeah, you better be sorry. You know, who are you to tell me what my kid could wear? I mean, really? She's 10 years old. You need to get over it. And there's no reconciliation. There's nothing you can do. And so then it says you bring one or two other people with you. Now, this is very interesting because there's two ways to do this. There's one way where I go and I get two or three people that I know will be on my side and say, hey, let me tell you what just happened in G-Town. So and so and so. And I told them this. And don't you agree with me that they shouldn't be wearing this? And I need you to go because we're going to go confront. Come on, posse. Let's go get them. (laughs) That's not what he means by bring two or three witnesses. What he means is like in a small group area if you have a small group and you know that something's amiss something's awry someone just went off the handle in the group and told you that you guys are just horrible and that that nothing is right in this group and that you guys never confront anything and how dare you say that that my family's falling apart or whatever that that situation may be and you go and you confront that situation it's then you come back and you say hey guys i went and confronted and there's two or three say oh man that's been on my heart i want to go let's go 
Because the goal here is reconciliation. The goal here is to move the person closer to Christ. It's not a win or lose. It's not competitive. And so you take one or two people as witnesses. It also helps because there's times when you're in that heated confrontation where you're not hearing what the other person's saying. I've been in those situations where I've sat there and I've said, here is what is going on. And I've taken someone with me because the first time it just landed on deaf ears and that person goes with me. And then at the end, they're like, Isaiah, I really think that what they're saying is X. What they're saying is that, that not that you, they don't mind you wear jeans, they just don't want you wearing pants. Or they, you know, they want you wearing pants. You know, they, they, they point out what you're not hearing. And you go, oh, that's what you're saying? Yeah. That's what I've been saying all along. And then they look to the other person and go, and, and what Isaiah is saying is, is that, that God looks on the heart, not on the outside, or on the outside, man looks on, oh, and this is how he interprets it. For, oh, so what you're saying is that, that, that you really do respect God. Oh, trust me, I do. I draw this next breath only by the grace of God. And the next one may not come again. Trust me, I fear the man. Rightly so. Oh. Well, I just didn't think you respected God. Okay. That's what that second witness does. It's what one or two people are supposed to do. It is not a posse where you're going out to lynch the other person. Sorry, I've been watching too much Hatfields and McCoys. Um, (laughs) Then it says, if you don't listen, you go and you take it to the church. This is where it gets tough. Because I don't know about you, I don't want people coming up here going... Um, this is Isaiah, and I've confronted him, and then Max and the elders confronted him on uh, the sin of gluttony, and he continues to still eat and is gluttonous. And we need you as a church body to agree and to figure out what we're going to do about the sin of gluttony. Ooh. And that's what it's saying. That's what it's asking. Now, you can't do that at your work. But what you can do is you can, take a, you can go to your boss. What you can do here, if it's a small group setting, not bring it before the entire congregation, but you can ask an elder or a couple of the elders to go with you. You can ask a pastor. You can say, here's the deal. I've went. I took people from my small group to confront the Jones family, and they're still not listening, and, and it, we're still having conflict, and it's just not healthy. Pastor, elder, will you go with me? Will you come along with me because you represent the church body and help us figure this out? And let's go forward. You can do that. And then the verse says what? Even then, there may not be reconciliation. Even after all that, it still may come down to people saying, I don't get, I'm sorry, I don't agree. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with what is said. I don't, I don't see this as you trying to help me. I just see it as you trying to stone me and vice versa. And it says, treat them like a pagan or corrupt tax collector. In my life, how this has worked is after the third time, you know, hey, boss, this isn't working out. It's going to the person saying, listen, obviously we're not seeing eye to eye anymore. Obviously we're not on the same page. And I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is us being at each other's throat. So why don't you go kind of your way? I'll go my way. I'll be cordial to you. I'll say hi to you. I won't ignore you. But but it doesn't mean that we need to go get coffee every morning. It doesn't mean we need to have lunch every day. It just means that I'm going to limit the exposure the best I can. Because it's not, not because I'm better or you're better, but because it's better for both of us. We can't go on living this way. So there's three things 
that I see that we need to do in this. And I've already touched on, but I wanted, wanted to wrap this up for you in three things. The first is to go to them. When you have conflict, you go to them. You physically go to them. If you can't go to them because they live on the other side of the world or, you know, they live, you know, a five-hour drive away and you're not going to see them for eight months, then call them. But don't go to the digital media. Don't go on the blogosphere. Don't go and start hashtagging everything. Don't find a poll showing how you're right. I mean, don't go and do that. Instead, go to them. There have been Sunday mornings where there have been conflict in our congregation that you guys haven't ever heard of because Max and I have gone to them. We get done tearing down. I go and help Max unload, drop off the truck. I hop in the passenger side of the truck and we go. And I can tell you how hard that is for me because there's nothing more holier in my life than my Sunday afternoon nap. It's true. Can I get an amen? Sunday afternoon naps are holy. I mean, God is there in that time. But I've given up my nap because of the fact that we have to go. And we go. And I've seen it go where we, we walk in and it's... And they open the door. And blood drains from their face. Because both pastors are here. And I, what I did is I smarted off at the G-Town leaders. I told them where they could go. Or I you know, had some conflict in the parking lot because someone stole my spot. And I you know, flipped them off and said, screw you, and drove off. And now the pastors are here. Because they're not going to let conflict stir up in me. And I've seen where we walk in. And, and Max is good at this. So you know why we're here. You want to talk about it? And the person just, yes, I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done. And I've seen him go, yeah, uh, no, I don't. Don't want to talk about it. Really? Why not? Because it's none of your concern. It's between me and that other family. Okay. Well, this is how community works. I mean, you know, this is why it is part of our thing. And so we work on it. We go to them. You have to be direct is the second thing. I don't know about you, but I get nervous, believe it or not, about certain things, and conflict's one of them. I get that knot in my stomach, and I get nervous. And so the go-to thing for me is, hi, um, just here, how's it going? Just, how's the family? How's the job? I know you got some wonderful uh, flowers growing outside. Did you plant those yourself? Um, you know, so what else is going on? Love the weather. So do I. And I do all this small talk at the beginning because I don't want to get to the meat of why I'm there because I know it's not going to be pretty. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know how it's going to go out because you would think that I would learn after all these years that no matter what I've mapped out in my mind, it never works that way. It never goes exactly how I planned. There's always some side I never saw. There's always some area of the conflict that, that I didn't know was a part of it. I mean, it never goes as planned. And so all this small talk becomes disingenuine. All this stuff means Isaiah doesn't care. And I'll give you a story. I one time got in trouble in the dorms um, because I was playing Frisbee in the hall. Um, It was okay. There was no rule against playing Frisbee in the hall. The only thing was if you hit the fire alarm and it went off and they had to reset it, you'd have to pay it. It was like 50 bucks. If you hit the sprinkler and water came pouring out, You'd have to pay the damages, and it's like 500 bucks because it could turn off quickly or whatever. Those were the only two rules. Otherwise, Frisbee in the Hall was okay. Well, I was with a freshman, and we were playing Frisbee in the Hall. Why guys play Frisbee in the Hall now that I'm 34? I don't know. 
when we had a nice green outside to play Frisbee. But, hey, it's a guy's dorm. Many things happened in that dorm that I scratched my head and go, why? Now, RA comes out, opens the door, because we hit his door a few times. <laughs> you know, and I guess he was in there studying. Why anyone would do that, I don't know. But he's in there studying. And he yells at us, I told you guys quit playing Frisbee. Oh, okay, dude, no problem. We can stop. Not a big deal. We're just bored. Come on. Let's go. So we stop. And I go in my room. And then a couple hours later, that RA comes in, knocks on my door. He opens the door, walks in. Hey, how's it going? Good. So how are things? Good. How are classes? Good. How's studying? Good. So you like the N64? That's how old school it was. Yes. You play a lot of Bond? Well, yes, you know we play a lot of Bond. I mean, that's what we play on the dorm. When you hear us yelling, it's because we're playing James Bond. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about getting one. And he has his hand like this the entire time. And I know what he has. He's written me up, which means that I have to now pay a fine. And it goes to the resident director. It means I'm in a lot of trouble. And he has it behind his back. And so finally I go, hey, dude, are you here to give me a write-up or what? Well, yeah, you know, I just wanted to give you this. I, you know, I told you guys to stop and you didn't. And so it, I had to find you 30 bucks. I'm sorry. Time out. $30 fine? Let me see that. I pick it up, read it. It says, you know, told them multiple times to stop. That's a lie. Told us once. Second of all, it said, you know, against rule, whatever. There was no rule. So I had to quickly point those things out to him and say, you know, it's fine. If you're going to give me this, I'm, I'll take it to the RD myself right now. And I'll dispute it because I'm not paying 30 bucks when I listen to you. Now, if I didn't listen to you, well, the conflict was there. He was charging me $30. Come to find out, we sat down and talked about it. The guy I was playing with was a freshman, and he had told that freshman four times that day to quit playing Frisbee in the hall. And that's why he was mad. He wasn't mad at me. But I didn't know that until we worked that out. The problem is he was... He came in and he did all this small talk. So the rest of the semester, whenever he'd ask me about my grades or ask me how things were going, it just felt weird. It felt disingenuous. It didn't feel like he really cared because he couldn't stand up and confront me to begin with. And we worked it out. I mean, he's on my Facebook, Twitter feed now. It's fine. Life goes on. But that's how it feels when you walk into conflict and you're not direct. Lastly, and probably the hardest thing for me is to go in with the right mindset. See, I'm competitive. I know it's a shock, huh? I like to win. And sometimes conflict can seem very competitive. Conflict can seem like I'm going in here to show you that you are wrong, you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you need to see my way of thinking. And I have to go in with a different mentality. I have to swallow that deep and say, why am I going in here? What is going on? Because one of the verses that, that deals with conflict is in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the... Peacemakers, for they, I heard it, they should be called the children of God, the sons of God in Matthew. It's the only time in the book of Matthew that the word son of, sons of God or son of God refers to you and I and not Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the sons of God. See, the right mentality, the right attitude when, when you're going in for conflict is, am I trying to help this person be more like Christ or am I going in to win an argument? Am I going in here so that way I can have reconciliation in this relationship so that we, we can move forward? Or am I going in to show them how wrong they are? 
Because God says, if you're going in as a peacemaker, I'm going to stand up in heaven and go, that's my son. That's my daughter. That, you know, the term around here be, that's my boy. I hear it out at the ball fields. That's my boy. Woo! You know, and God is up there cheering going, that's, that's, my, that's my kid there. You know, I'm 34 years old. And I still love when my father says, I'm proud of you. And it's the same of what God is saying. He's saying, if, if you are trying to be a peacemaker, if you are trying, when there's conflict, to move this towards resolution and doing as I have laid out, I'm going to say, that's my kid. And that's one of the hardest things for me to do. So today I want to spend five minutes, roughly, or however long Chris plays, because each of us have someone that we have conflict with. When, we talked about, when I said the word conflict, that person's face popped into your head right away. Mine did. Whether it's resolved or not, it pops right into my head. And there was a, there's a church around here that the elders and staff went on a big staff meeting. And the pastor started the staff meeting this way. He said, if any of you have any conflict any issues, any disagreement with anyone in this room, I want you to stand up right now. Now, you didn't have to say who you had issues with. You didn't have to say what the issue could be. It could be that the person took the last hot dog at the retreat and you wanted a hot dog and you're stuck with a hamburger. It could be something minor. But they had to stand up. And he goes, and then I want you to pray for that person. Because that pastor knows that when you pray for them, God's going to make you a peacemaker. God's going, to meet, God's going to make you a peacemaker. When I've done that, there have been times where I know I'm right. I know that what happened and what was said was wrongfully interpreted, and it wasn't right, and, you know, and everyone's thankful that I wear pants. All right? And so, but when I pray for them, God, I want them to be a better person. I want this relationship to work. I want them to be part of Generations Community. Also, when I go in, I'm going in as a peacemaker. And what that means for me is sometimes going and saying, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry. This, and, and, and it's not, I'm sorry you misinterpreted that. I'm sorry you don't hear things properly. I'm sorry you don't see it the way I see it. It's just, I'm sorry. So over the next couple of minutes, I want you to just pray for that person in your mind that you may have conflict with. And they may or not know it. And then I'm going to come up and we're going to finish out the service.